NFR Extra is a weekly podcast that focuses on the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo and features icons that embody the rodeo and Western lifestyle. And now here are your hosts, Nevada Caldwell and Rockin' Robbie Hodges. Hello, rodeo fans. NFR Extra, episode 48. Right on tap. Here it is for you. Keeping things rolling. Brylan Bentley, rocking Robbie Hodges. How you two doing? Doing great. Man, I am awesome. I'm seeing a little light. Just a little daylight. I'm digging it. I'm so happy that that, uh, we're able to bring this to you every week. This is so much fun. And and it's, it's good to hear from you guys. Yeah, well, what I look when we kind of had to take this episode, this whole uh, podcast, and do it from home, and things were going on pretty heavily in March, and as we went through April, and here we are, you know, heading in, you know, end of May. It's interesting to see that what's unfolded, and you know, a good partner of ours that we've seen or that we've worked with from Las Vegas events, uh, PBR. There's some pretty cool things going on with them. Brian, what what has happened with PBR the past couple of weeks that you can share with everybody you know pbr kind of took a different standpoint on making sure the live event world was to go on and they held a close close to fans event at the lazy e arena april 25th and 26th may 9th and 10th with a huge three-layer plan of safety to make it happen yeah you know and i found myself you know i've been catching up on my bull riding and watching and it I like it's fun because I think for a while I got away from watching PBR. So obviously when you're looking for live events, it's either right now, it's either, uh, well, NASCAR just happened, which was great, but uh, it's either Korean baseball or bull riding. <laughs> Definitely a different outlook for sure. Well, it is. I'm proud. I'm so glad that they're going, you know, they're just taking the steps, keeping it safe. And, and like you said, you know, somebody's got to, somebody's got to be brave enough to step through the door and uh, I'm, I applaud them. Well, and you, you you hope all good things go well, right? Because they always say that the first one through the wall gets the bloody face, you know, and that's, that's, it's true. It's a true statement and you just want to hope that everything goes well. And it's just that it's kind of a business statement, but hey, this guest, I, the guest that we have on this show, one touch on these folks real quick, uh, Daryl Mosier, AKA the NFR dirt guy. Uh, when he's not doing his day job of moving around mass amounts of the earth, He's preparing rodeos in the Western United States. Uh, Brylan, this is great. Thank you for hooking this gentleman up on the episode. Uh, Rob, you had a great conversation with him, right? Oh, we did. I mean, it was so interesting the way that, uh, you know, I, I didn't know where the dirt was stored. It was actually on, on site there, you know, and stuff. And you're going to learn a lot about that. And, and there is more to the science part of that than just dragging some dirt in there and a bunch of dump trucks. Because, uh, you know, I know our barrel racing friends are interested in that. So. I think you're going to really enjoy that. The fun fact of that is he actually has four barrel racers in his family, his wife and three daughters. And such a great guy. Yeah, he knows. Jeez. Yeah. I think when, when we see the comments come out about the dirt and barrel racing and things like that, to think that he doesn't know, you know, like when he goes home and like, come on. Like, I mean, he just, he lives it. But anyways, great interview. Loved him. He's a good dude. And then, uh, something that we 
kind of one of one of our bigger parts that we do with social media and, and kind of getting uh, fan involvement is we run a, a national anthem contest, right? Probably about the end of summer. And you know, over the past years, it's varied from you know two winners, three winners, four winners, youth winners, just all kinds of things that it's changed. But but this gal that we're bringing on, she's won this contest twice, 2016 and 2019. Uh, Allie Brigette, uh, Wrangler national anthem singer. She's uh, well, when she's not singing national anthems at the, you know, up in the uh, big old northwest of uh, Washington, in like front of the uh, Seattle Seahawks or Seattle Mariners, she's uh, she's a law dog, and um, pretty cool conversation, Rob. Yeah, I, I thought so too. That was an interesting side of that, you know. And it's amazing that we hear how many people actually put in for that job, you know, and. And that's a tough decision to make. And for her to win it twice and, and be accepted into this and uh, just her outlook on it and the excitement that she had walking down that tunnel, you know, as somebody that's experienced that, I know the nerves. And I, all I did was work the barrel. I can't imagine trying to sing one of the hardest songs to sing in the world trying to do that. So uh, she's a pretty cool little gal, wasn't she? And I, I can't wait for y'all to hear about her excitement and, and that kind of stuff. It, it was interesting. It sure was. There was a lot of fun talking to her. Well, enjoy this episode and make sure to give us a review and rating on wherever you listen to NFR Extra. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And here is Brylon Bentley's Rodeo News of the Week. This is Brylon's Bull, the Rodeo News of the Week. PRCA Stat of the Week, 32 the number of consecutive qualifications by Guy Allen for the Club McSpadden National Final Steer Roping, 1977 through 2008, a PRCA record for consecutive NFSR or WNFR qualifications. The Cowboy Channel and the Professional Rodeo Cowboy Association launched the PRCA on the Cowboy Channel Plus app, which will bring the most exciting pro rodeo streaming to fans' fingertips. PBR Monster Energy Team Challenge at the South Point Arena in Las Vegas on June 5th through the 28th will be closed to the public using the safety protocols PBR debuted during three previous event weekends in April and May, including a scaled-down crew, medical testing, functional separation, and social distancing. Each year at Cowboy Christmas, more than a quarter million country western shoppers mingle with NFR contestants, Flint Rasmussen, and the best junior cowboys and cowgirls in the world. There's no place in sports where your rodeo heroes find time to meet and greet their fans 9 to 5 every day. Cowboy Christmas. It's shopping, live music, rodeo, and so much more. Book your reservations and find out more at NFRExperience.com. Cowboy Christmas. It's all here. Hi, I'm Caleb Bennett, and this is NFR Extra. Mr. Robbie Hodges, this is uh, I'm I'm hey. looking forward to this interview. Um, Me too. This is going to be a little bit off the. This is a little bit off the track of rodeo contestants, but every contestant touches it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yes, we are. Um, and well, and this is a hot topic, right? This is depending if we're talking about barrel racing oh, or, or whatever. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. it is a piping hot topic. But uh, yeah, here we got Mr. Daryl Mosier, and we're talking about dirt at the NFR. Dirt. Welcome. Dirt on rodeo, right? Yeah, welcome to the NFR Extra Podcast, Daryl. 
Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's all our pleasure, man. Yeah. You bet. We're going to talk about some dirt. <laughs> You're the punching bag of the PRCA and the NFR. <laughs> that dirt was this and that dirt was that. We're going to find out why. <laughs> and right now we're going to stop a lot of rumors. We're going to stop a lot of stuff right here because we're going to hear it from the backhoe's mouth. Yeah, it, you know, Daryl, it is, man. The dirt is a great conversation with the rodeo. I mean, for the, the non-fans wouldn't know this, right? They just... I, and, and, and me being in the event business, I understand the importance of dirt when we talk about off-road racing and all the differences in how it's treated, right? Um, those that are not a part of the event business know nothing about the importance of dirt or that there's the many facets of dirt. Um, how long, let's just get in, like, where, how did you get, let's just, before we get all these crazy questions, how did you get involved with, or where does your, your, your story start with dealing with dirt, rodeo, et cetera? And obviously I would imagine maybe goes in other areas as well. When did you start getting into all this? Well, it started when I got done the rodeo and had to find a job and, uh, had an opportunity to go to work for a gentleman here in town who, uh, taught me a lot. His name was Mel, his Mel Clark. And I worked for the Gons for a while on their private ranch and, Learned a lot about dirt there with the cuttings that they do there before the South Point was opened up. So just kind of started from there, and then we had the opportunity to start working for Sean Davis for the NFR. So, Daryl, you know, like, no, you know, because obviously there's some, some science and biology into the world of dirt. I mean, so you know, like, your background as far as, like, education-wise is not, like, being focused on dirt, right? I mean, is that kind of the, the right gist? Yeah, pretty much. But, uh, I mean, my, my life calling, I didn't think. Yeah. I mean, hey, we all do. I mean, it's, you know, the businesses that we get in, we just got done talking to Anthony Lucia and, you know, he was growing up dad trick roper. And, you know, then all of a sudden that just spidered in a million other things. Cause he kind of got into things that he really wasn't planning on. And now he's got a career in it. And yeah. it just sounds like the same thing here. So absolutely. Yeah. What, what, what like how do you how does this let's let's now let's talk about some NFR and, and the dirt. What what is your main role when it comes to the dirt? Like what what is the process? I mean what 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 are you supposed to do? What is your role when it comes to when Mel Clark calls you and tells you, you got to get your job done? Our responsibility for the NFR is to to prepare the dirt with moisture, um, and then we bring it into the building and to the warm up areas. Um. And that's about the extent of what we do. You know, then the NFR guys take over from there and maintain it throughout the week. And they so is, um, go ahead, Rob. Sorry, is it? I'm sorry. Is it uh Is the dirt that you use is it piled somewhere in tarps? Oh, it's probably dry in Las Vegas, but I know I see a lot of uh, shows, PBRs, rodeos that I do all over the country in the winter time. And, buddy, that first night, it is pumping some water. And I'm always worried right. about that. If, if they keep it or, you know, if, if, if you tarp this dirt, if it's out at the Gons Farm, where, where do y'all keep it or, or where what, what goes on? The dirt is housed right there on the Thomas and Mac UNLV site. Um, oh, really? Back there, uh, where the, uh, back in the back where the livestock is housed is where the dirt is kept throughout the year. When the rodeo's over, we, we take the dirt back in the back and we stockpile it, and it's compacted. It's not tarped. 
because um, yeah. you know there's enough moisture in it that it stays in place. So and yeah. it just sits there until the next year. So yeah, but man, I mean that. So how do you do? You, do you not touch it at all throughout the year, or what? Is there some things you do in between the, the NFR season that that I don't know? I mean, is there anything you got to maintain it while it's out there? There's got to be something you're, you're doing, what, or it just sits out there. <laughs> Unfortunately, it just sits there. The only thing we have to do is if it's windy and it does blow with the county ordinances, we have to go squirt some water on it to keep the dust down. But other than that, it literally just lays there and rests until the next year. Does it pile up or is it flat? Oh, it, well, it's dumped with trucks. So, I mean, it's, I got it's you. flat okay. in the sense that it's, it's a pile of dirt that's a, a ramp over it, you know, Yeah, no, I that you can drive over it. So, and, and is it only used, is that dirt only NFR dirt or is it used for, you know, cause obviously we got the PBR world finals. We got a lot of bunch of other rodeos that go on in Vegas. So, I mean, is there, is it used for anything else or is it just NFR? Um, you know, every four years they have a, uh, uh, the world cup here, jumping horse and yep. um, p- p- some of the dirt is used for it. Um, I gotcha. Unfortunately this year, um, the event got canceled yep. uh, for what we're going through. Yeah, so I don't know if it's getting rescheduled for later on this year, or mm. or, or what. I don't. I haven't heard. Yeah, yeah. That dirt's just gonna have to sit there, isn't it? Yeah, it just sits there. It's gonna be there in an inert state. Well, two years ago, and I have a barrel racing daughter, and I've seen good yeah. and bad. I have four. <laughs> nice. You know there there is help. There is help for this, you know, and, and as soon as I figure out, you know, a good counselor and a good, you know, some some outside help, I will help you with that. Okay, Daryl, you you need it. Trust me. I don't. I, I, have I don't. I don't think there's any help. You you can't okay, talk to a girl exactly. or a woman. Right. <laughs> um, a few years ago, you know, there was a controversy about the dirt and the whole deal there. You know, I mean, it was the same dirt I used in 2010, and when I was in the barrel out there and my barrel didn't really fall over and you know, and I'm not sure what had happened, but is this the same dirt? Did y'all change up? Obviously, you know about the, the you know, oh, this dirt's terrible. Yeah. So oh, yeah. what, what went on or, or what changes were made? And, and I guess, you know, with, without getting into a long, you know, a geology seminar, what, what did you do or what was, what was different? Basically, you know, that year I was just, I mean, it, it was it was more like a, a Mother Nature type mm-hmm. thing, you know, because we had a lot of moisture and it was cold. Mm-hmm. And I just, there was just a lot of humidity in this town that's usually not here. Right. You know, like what you're used to in Texas and, and, you know, in the southern states and stuff where it gets, and I, I believe that that had a lot to do with it. Um, right. We, uh, we screened the dirt, you know, ran it through uh mechanical screen and got out any impurities or that were in there, you know, such as rocks or, you know, trash or whatnot. Sure. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not so much the, the dirt it's, you know, it's the preparation of it and the maintaining of the material during the event. Uh, is where, you know, cause you, I'm sorry. No, it's not. So you're telling me, that y'all didn't have a big conspiracy of the dirt. He did exactly no. what you've done for the last 30 years there, right? I mean, yeah. so, okay. Well, 
You heard it here first, folks. There was not a dirt <laughs> conspiracy. <laughs> it was just nature and something that you couldn't help. Sort of like what we're going through right now. So now we it, exactly what? Okay, let's talk about some details about this dirt. So what? How, first of all, how many tons of it do you put into the Thomas Maxner? Because it goes elsewhere as well. But, I mean, what, how many tons do you put in there? Roughly just in the arena itself, there's about 900, you know, just call it 1,000 tons Whew, man. of material. Jeez. That's, that's, and wow. all total with, with everything where the warm-up tent is and the ramps and, you know, everything else, there's probably close to 30, 32 to 3,500 tons of material used for the NFR. And so when does that, when does that process start? Cause I know it's, man, it's, there's a, there's a big shutdown. I used to work at UNLV and so there was always a shutdown once the dirt started coming in and you guys actually have road closures. When, when does that process start for you? When do you guys start? It's two weeks before the event. Like, it, and it all depends on when the NFR starts, you know, for, for the last, for many, many years, it's always been Thanksgiving weekend. Yep. And now that they've moved the NFR, you know, back a week, so now it's just a week later, but it, it's about a week and a half or so, you know, 10 days, because they've got a lot of work to do Yeah, they do. to get the production side going of the rodeo. So, right. and, 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 and here's the other, I like, and this is just me being on the, on the multimedia, the production side is that, you know, you got to get all your, you know, all the, all the, the video guys, the audio guys, everyone that works in production has to get everything laid down before, you know, Daryl comes in. Do you, is there things that, I mean, there, when you're in that process, I mean, what, what are the other things that you guys got to do to get that arena ready? I mean, is, I know Thomas Mack does stuff, but is there stuff that you guys do to, to prep the, the facility before you put in the dirt? No, the, 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 the Thomas and Mack people are very, you know, usually they work through the night. There's usually a basketball game before we put the dirt in. So as soon as that basketball game is over, they start removing bleachers and, and the floor and whatnot. Um, in the beginning, they used to have to get rid of the ice. They used, you know, they used to have ice in that building for right. shows and stuff. So you'd have to get sometimes get rid of the ice and uh, dry the floor. And a lot so of you didn't things, have plywood. You, know, it? you never did no, the plywood sir. floor over the ice like they do at most of the. You know, when I do the winter rodeos and stuff, they just plywood the ice a lot of times. You know, and then clean yeah. it up. Very interesting. We did that. We did that one time at the Delta Center when they did the Copenhagen series, Copenhagen Cup yeah. series. And that was a disaster. They were, they did not like us after we started putting dirt in there in Dallas because all that plywood started shifting and it was oh. the inaugural. That was the first show that was in that building. Um, oh wow! So it, it didn't go as planned as everybody had uh, hoped it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when you start getting, I mean, like, because then the other thing too, and this, I'm not trying to be a biologist or anything here, but. You start getting that, like the 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 grains, right? The sand grains are on the ice. That'll chip it away, wouldn't it? Like, doesn't that kind of yeah. make it melt, if you will? I mean, yeah. which you yeah. know, and, and then that moisture comes up. Yeah. Oh man. It's so cold. You would you would not believe even with that plywood down. A lot of these facilities we go in. Yep. The ground is just cold. I can imagine. It is, uh, it's like if you've ever been on a so beach in the winter, up. right? And you step, you're putting your toes in the sand that doesn't i know the best feeling i mean it feels okay but it's freezing cold very cold but i mean obviously some places when you're in one weekend and out the next that's all the choice they have but you know exactly yeah Yeah, the time frame i think that's interesting that dirt goes in two weeks because usually thursday night the dirt's in friday we're rodeoing 
or PBR or whatever we're doing, World's Toughest things, and then, for lack of a better term, and then Saturday, and then by 3 o'clock Sunday morning, they're starting with the old uh, 953, you know, and, um, and, and the dump trucks. Yep. And, you know, here you've got, what, 300 bulls and or 300 horses and 100 head of bulls and yeah. Everything's got to go through that arena. The calf's got to be conditioned in there. The steers, bulldogging. Right. I mean, yeah. I, 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 it's amazing to me. I can't wait to tell them. Hey, that dirt's prepped two weeks prior. Oh, yeah. I and mean, if Sean could have done it, it would have been a month and a half prior if I know Sean. Probably. Probably. We would have just left it in there from June. <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah, and I, I, so, and I, cause I love the whole side of production on this and, and knowing Sean. Absolutely. So do you have conversation, like who, who would you talk to during these times? I mean, I know we, Sean's no more, but was Sean with someone who would you talk to in the process, making sure everything's going smooth or would it be Alan um, or? Yeah. No, well, yes, Alan, but I mean, Sean was, he always, if he had a question, he, he was very involved in everything, you know. Sean Davis, what? <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, go figure, right? <laughs> yeah. But, oh, you uh, know. I miss uh, <laughs> Me too. I know. But main, no. mostly, you know, when he was involved, it was, yeah, he might send somebody else out to talk to you like Alan or something, but, I mean, it was it was Sean Davis who you who you went through. Now, do you – Keeping the consistency, this is kind of, I'm very familiar with the areas that do you try to pack? So like where all the, where they put all the stock and everything, do you try to pack everything as similar as it? So like if there's like a seamless flow coming from outside to the end of the arena, or does that matter? I mean, do you, or do you, or I mean, do you do that? I guess I don't understand what you're saying. So like, you know, if like, the what, alley down. yeah, the alley and everywhere they're, they're kind of, you know, if they're trotting the horses, even on the backside on the Cox Pavilion uh, tunnel, you know, where all the ropers right. are and then the practicing. I mean, do you try to make that the surface is just as very similar to what it is in the arena? Yes. Gotcha. Yes. And, it, yeah. and obviously, you know, the, the, the other entities, I guess is what you'd call it, the, the, the lanes and where the cattle pens are, you know, obviously they can't be worked, but they, the, the material that, that we put in for them is made the same, you know, it's processed the same. It's put in, with moisture content so it does not dry out so it doesn't create dust or you know and just try to keep it even you know it's all even there's two piles of dirt there's an inside pile and there's the outside pile mm. you know so Didn't we know make that. sure we know what dirt's going where yep now do you use um do you use any kind of sulfactant on that at all i know back in the day before al gore and stuff it was diesel fuel a lot of a lot of arenas would put jet fuel or diesel fuel if you did that now, I mean, you'll go to prison. But yeah. if I mean, is there any kind of a surfactant that keeps that that dirt from making that big dust pile for nine days? It's going to get a little damp. I mean, and then it's going to dry, and then it's going to get, you know, dusty. No, uh, we we just we just add the water. I know a few years ago they had a gentleman that was working there, you know, and he added some various things to it, and. Uh, did what he thought was right. Um, uh-huh. But in years previous, it was just moisture, just water. I see. I see. That's interesting. I, di- I didn't know if they, if now with all this stuff, 
hell, every time you turn around, something's good for the horse. Something's good for something. Everybody's got a better whistle. I figured there was some kind of surfactant or something that's used, you know, but it's kind of like soap and water with a wound, ain't it? There's, there's not as it is, you know, water, you know, I mean, yes, there's probably, there's a lot of science to dirt, but the key to dirt is, is moisture. You know, that's, that's the, you know, you go to, you know, like Reno, they don't add a lot of water there to Reno. Uh, mm-hmm. what, uh, Prescott, you know, cause they're outside facilities, but you know, you have right. mother nature that plays a role in that. If, if they put the right amount of water into the marinas and then it rains and you don't have a rodeo because it's just a mud bog. Yeah, absolutely. So, Been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of got to be a weatherman also. You got to be a meteorologist in this business you, like that. You, and, you do. Yeah. Oh, yeah you're too, getting too. dirt on dirt right here. Well, it's amazing. And and the, the and also, Darrell, what's what's the importance of keep? I mean, what happens if you don't? Because I've noticed this in the motorsports side, and I've seen this in an out, outdoor arenas or stadiums. What's the importance of keeping that thing moist? Why? Why during the event? Be well for you know for all events for your bucking horses or bulls. You know, if, if that ground's not solid, I mean, yeah, you have your bulls and horses are just like your barrel horses and calf horses. You know. And any, any athlete, if they don't like the ground, unless they're just crazy, they're not going to perform to the best of their ability. What, what the moisture does, if it's too dry, then that ground is just like, you know, it's kind of like walking on the beach. When The further away you get from the ocean, the thicker that dirt gets and the heavier it is to walk in yep. and to turn or anything, you know. And that's kind of as you walk towards that ocean, that's, you know, you can walk right along the water's edge and, it supports you even though it's saturated in water. It's a good analogy. Right. Yeah. But, and it also creates dust, right? I mean, like you get, I mean, like you don't want an arena yeah. over getting dusted, right? No, you don't want dust, especially in a building. You know, you, you just try to keep it, uh, maintained. And, you know, by putting the moisture in as the dirt's going in, you know, you, unless mother nature's involved, you can't add water from the top. It won't get through. It'll stay on top. It'll sink down a couple inches, whatever, you know, but it won't get down five or six, seven inches where you need it, you know, for the barrel race. Oh, wow. yeah. You know, mother nature can do that. You know, it can, you can sit there with your garden hose in your backyard and water and then dig a hole and it's only penetrated an inch. Mother it's nature rain. can rain for, for an hour and you go out there and you can dig down eight, 10 inches and it's soaked all the way through. Man. That I don't know. I'm not I never got to college. <laughs> Let's take a little break. We'll be back in two minutes. Rodeo is about discipline, sacrifice, and perseverance. Every one of us doing their best to strive for excellence. Rodeo makes us resilient, it's our engine. And you've played a big part in that. You've empowered us, supported us, and allowed us to dream. In these incredible times, we are also reminded of the power of our communities. Looking out for one another and caring for those in need. 
Brighter days are ahead, and we look forward to spending our time with you. In the meantime, we'll spend our time hashtag alone together. And when the time comes, we'll be ready. And once again, we'll celebrate all the things that make us a community. We are our radio. Hi, I'm Haley Kinsel, and you're listening to NFR Extra. When you're, uh, what is what is longer, um, out to in or in to out? On on take out, the dirt out of there, you know. Out a little bit longer, just because you have you know. You have to clean up the nooks and crannies and, uh-huh. you know, do a lot more shoveling, getting dirt off the walls and whatnot. The end, you know, you don't care what kind of where the dirt goes. It just kind of goes where you you need it, and that's perfect. <laughs> How deep is that dirt? Two foot, foot it, and a half? It is 12 inches deep across. Wow. I got you. That has changed in the last few years. It used to be kind of crowned in the middle because at yeah. the time the bucket chute weren't you know, the bucket shoots, the, the risers for the bucket shoots that, that the bucket shoot sits on, I think were 10 inches. And then the, the signage that they had at the time, we could only go 10 inches around the perimeter of the arena. Oh, I see. Yeah. And then the center would be 12 inches and everything else would be, you know, 10 inches wow. up to 12 through the middle. Well, I understand. That. Yeah. But why would, why would be the difference? Why would you go from a crown to like just a flat? Like uh, just even. What's I mean? What, is there a difference in there, or what, why would, why would, why would, why either or? Well, you know, twelve inches is a, is a good, a good base. You know, that way you know an animal's not going to find the bottom of it, even after fifteen right. competitors in any event. It doesn't matter. You know, right? Which is you're talking about? Just, yeah. yeah. You know, and you know, because your calf ropers are pretty much roping in the same spot, your team ropers are turning left in the same spot. Bulldoggers are catching their steers. You know, it's, as long as everybody's scoring right, got their head on. You know, everything is the same. You know, other than the barrel racing, where you have a few that go left instead of right. You know, it's it's funny you say that about the barrel racing. I've not heard after that one year. Oh man, that was years a... ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not heard one word. We've seen record times. We've seen fast times. We've seen it consistency. Yeah. People win because of their horses. Whatever y'all did. And, you know, my, my grandpa always used to say, it ain't how you screw it up, it's how you fix it. And right. whatever y'all have done the last four or five years, it has – the dirt has been a, a null factor in it. And that, that that's a testament. And, um, you know, being – well, I bet when you got home, you got yelled at it, it, Four barrel rapers at your house. I just I just went just closed my door and stuck my <laughs> finger and my thumb in my mouth and went to sleep. Uh, you, <laughs> Daddy, Daddy, what you did it for? So, I hear it now. So Robbie and, and Daryl, you know we we manage the social media for uh, for NFR and mm-hmm. big following, a lot of messaging, and then you know in the, those two weeks, you know the leading up to and during. There's a lot of just going. I mean, there's a lot of interaction with our social media, but man, yeah, that that, that whole piece. Oh God, I want to say it was what four years ago. I don't know, five years. It was something. Yeah, four or five years. Yeah, ago. and uh, oh man, Daryl, 
if you could imagine, and I don't know why this happens, it's just maybe what we've created this consciously with uh, social media, but a lot of the fans come to us, right? And I'm assuming they go to PRCA too, but they come to us because we're, we're NFR, right? And, but by no means do oh, we have yeah. anything to do with anything um, oh, when it yeah. comes to competition. I've, I've seen that. Oh, but yeah, the inbox, our inbox uh, messages was like just every, everybody telling us about dirt. It's like, man, and I, I, you know, maybe I should be a little more prepared for you right now, Daryl, in this, this quarantine session we're doing here, but I could read off to him and we'd have a lot of fun. I mean, it was like, they, they, right. you know, it, I'm sure you hear that. And so here's, I, here's kind of my question. Do, do the contestants know who you are? No. Go, okay. All right. Cause I mean, I would imagine. Well, I, I, you want me to, do you want me to give them your number? <laughs> No. <laughs> my wife my wife has a, my wife's the veterinarian of the nfr yes mm-hmm. um so she has a few barrel racing friends that you know stay at the house and whatnot but you know other than that i know i'm i'm just uh the mushroom under the shade over there i, just, <laughs> I got you i met your wife this year she took care of my dog while i was out there i had and they don't do dogs but she had some uh, Prevacox for me and took good care of me. What a sweet bunch of people there at the vet's office. So wait a second, Robbie, when you were, Robbie, when you were having those issues, that's so, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Daryl, Leslie is her name, correct? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. Small world. Uh, Cause I remember Robbie was trying to get that. Yeah. Both called her and sent me over there and I went there and I'm going to tell you what, when I walked in there, that dirt and that gravel getting into that door was amazing. I just want you to know that it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so here, and look, I think, Robbie, I think we're getting a little bit more of a bigger picture of Daryl. So your family is heavily involved with the NFR, and I'm starting to kind of gather that you can't yeah. call in sick, Daryl, and neither can Leslie, because if you guys do, this rodeo may not be as successful as it needs to be without Somebody you two. Yeah. It, exactly, yeah. No, we're, we're quite busy during those during them 10 days, 15 days. How long has this been going on? Like how long have you, how long have you, I mean, where did, I don't want, we don't want to get into the, the Daryl Leslie love life stories, but like, how did this come about her being a part of the NFR, you being a part of the NFR? How long has that been going on for you two? I met her, um, on an online dating service. Nice. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> That's hot. I was like, man, this is okay. This is interesting now. Wow. Yeah. You'd be surprised. No, I'm impressed that, works. that anybody that does dirt got a veterinarian. I want to read your book. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I've done that. I, I, I still dumbfounds me how I, how I got lucky like that. Good for you. Um, yeah. Hi. How do you pick somebody up like that? That's good. Hi. I'm the national finals feral. I mean, the National Finals veterinarian. Well, I put dirt in the arena. I love you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's how it went. Dang! We got, we got special permission, and we, were, we had our first date in the floor of the arena. And, oh, uh, just to get married special. there. That would have been nice, huh? I didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> so the second it, time around, you can. Have you guys been doing this since what? Like maybe, has this been going on since the 90s for you two? Yeah, I, I actually met her when I worked for the Gons on their ranch. Oh wow! And uh, you know they raised co- uh, cutting horses, and at the time Michael was involved, you know, with the breeding some bucking horses with John Growney and Benny Butler, and 
the UNLV rodeo team practiced out there. So that's kind of how I met Dr. Sure, my wife, of just working on sick horses. Wow. What a small world. And do you still you know, have to call her doctor, or can you call her honey, or, or whatever, or do you still? I'm, I'm, I'm not allowed to look at her in her face. I have to turn away when I speak to her. <laughs> okay, because she's a doctor. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, <laughs> no. I, I, I can call her Leslie. Or ma'am. I want to hang out yeah. with you. I want to, when I come to the NFR this year, I'm when you put dirt in. It's exciting, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, I guarantee it makes it that way. Well, man, thank you yeah. so much for a great. We've used an hour on dirt, Nevada. Hey, I, I I'm telling you right now, man. I. The, and I want to bring Daryl. I want to bring you back on. Um, so we do a lot of recaps. We'll bring people on early year like this. And then we come back as we're all getting ready for the NFR and let's pray, you know, that everything works out the way it should. And uh, the three of us are, are, you know, planning on Vegas and NFR and things like that, but would love to bring you back on kind of really pick your brain then, um, and see where your preparations are and see everything going on and, and, and have a lot more questions. And you know what we'll do too, Daryl, we'll, we'll do, um, one of the segments we're going to do, and this could be a one-off, but we're going to create these kind of segments where we're going to have fans, um, chime in and, and give us questions for you. And I think that'd be a good, as we lead into the NFR, I think that'd be a, a, to Robbie's yeah. barrel uh, racing uh, pedigree there, what he's talking about. I think it'd be a, just a good, I, I just think it'd be a yeah, good connection. You know, all the barrel racers call you, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. You bet. And uh, hey, if I come down there this year, I want to, can I drive the 225 or something? You can drive anything. Yeah. Thank you so much. So that went on the air in Nevada. Don't cut that out. No, we're good. Hey, so real quick though, Daryl, what, like what, what do you do? Obviously NFR is in December and it's not every month all year long. What else do you do? What else, what, what keeps you busy in between the, 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 the other months? Our company, you know, does grading and paving. So we build anything, supermarkets, you know, we do um, just general contracting. You know, like yeah. right now, I'm building a fuel state, a, a fuel tank supply building. You know, for uh, where they bring the railroad in to yep. fill up the, the big tanks. And we do. You know, we're working on a hospital right now. So just any kind of general construction, we do anything big, anything small. We don't care. We do some custom arenas for people. And wow. We help out the South Point when they need help. Um, oh, moving stuff. Were you involved the year, I have to ask this, were you involved in it the year that they brought the jet skis in and they flooded the arena and made it into a jet ski race? No, I've seen pictures. And I, I wish I'd have been there for that. I've seen pictures and that looks like a hoot. Yeah, it had a little too much water, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you know let, me, let me bring up something about that, Robbie. So when I used to work uh, over at Thomas Max Center Sam Boyd Stadium at UNLV, we were yeah. uh, planning an event at Sam Boyd, and again, we were going to do that. And the process was getting getting a hold of a guy like Daryl and a few other folks, and how to pull it off. Because at the end of the day, what was the most important piece, right? You know, people on the public would think, "Oh, the jet skis are in the water." No, it's how you you pr- prepare that area for the water to sit in. And my God, I mean, we were sitting with biologists, yeah. scientists, all kinds of stuff to do that event when, you know, we never got to do oh it gosh. for funding, but yeah, I mean, that you work on some interesting stuff there, Daryl. That's uh 
I know. I mean, you may not think it is, but I think it is. I mean, you work in. Like you were talking about, you know, like with scientists and geologists and whatnot. Yeah. We also do the dirt for the, uh, I don't know what they call it now, but he was a junior in the junior world at the convention center. Yes. And now it's on a second story, but before we could even do that, we had to get in touch with the architects and engineers to make sure that all that weight, our second story, would, uh, that building would dare hold that. You know, I worked at I worked at Bull Ride. I, I worked a bullfight there that year, the BFO, Daryl. And uh-huh. that's how I could tell how close those bulls were. That floor would literally Moving. bounce. Yeah when, yeah, when one would come by, I could actually feel uh, if one was, you know, within uh, whacking distance, as we call it. And, and yeah. I could feel where they were. And about the third day, I got used to it, you know, but it would shake like on a bridge. Oh yeah, and, uh, yeah. I believe you that. can just imagine, imagine that an eighteen wheeler with you know twenty five tons of Woo. dirt, and I got twelve trucks hauling in there. So there's you know four trucks at any given time uh-huh. driving through there. There's a lot of a lot of movement. Well, yes, it was. So that that's the other part. I think the, I think man, I'm just gonna bring this up. You know, my, my dad worked in construction, so I mean, I grew up in in the world and blueprints all over our house, and um, mm-hmm. but. uh you know, when you think about, and this is where the difference between what you do, Robbie, what I do and compared to Daryl, you know, yeah. Daryl's is all about science and about weight and about, you know, kind of what can handle and what it can't handle. And so when you think about like when they're going into there, you imagine all the people involved, everyone's got to be on point, man. It can't be, you know, right, Daryl, you can't have the guy in there or a gal going in there. Well, I think it might no. work. It, it can't be that. Like it's, it, it's got to no, be absolute. It, I mean, it, it's just like being an athlete. I mean, not like just being an athlete, but I mean, when when somebody gets on a bull or a horse or back in the box or comes up the lane, you better know what you're doing or else. Yeah, calculation you know? have to be. You yeah. Know? Well, it, it, ride that animal or horse or you know barrels, whatever. You know, yep. it, it's, it's all every to me. Everything's relevant. You know, you you can't let the little things go because the little things is the important part of everything. Yep. Yeah, that becomes the big. It sure does, buddy. Totally agree with yeah. that. Well, thank you, man. What a great conversation here. That was fun. And I'm holding you to me getting to drive one of them dozers or a 225 in there. You right. got That'll it. That'll be my whole thing. I've worked the barrel in there, and now I want to put the dirt in. So, Robbie, he, I mean, he, I'm pretty sure he knows our guy. So, one of the guys we're, we'll be interviewing here pretty soon is uh, Steve Stallworth from over there at the arena. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's um, a good guy. Yeah, I'd imagine you've worked with Steve quite a bit for all the horse events they've done over there. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try to help them out the best I can. Yeah. That's it. I mean, so did you, when they were over there building that equestrian center, did you have your hand in there? Did you help out a lot with that or was it just the arena? Just the arena. Um, I made the dirt for the main arena uh-huh. um, when they, when they built it. And then when they put the two prefer arenas in, I calculated the dirt for that and, you know, made a, a, a mixture of dirt for that also. And then just whatever they need. I just I help them out. They're good people there. Yeah, so, yeah, they I'll are. Be gone. I I tell like, you, is, permanent, to get. is it permanent in that arena, or is it? it no, you know they. By God, they move it so much. You know, if they got a concert, yep. they'll jerk it out to to you know have no a concert, kid. jet skis, basketball. Yep. I figured it. I didn't know if it's Scott. Oh man, Robbie, they're doing events all the time over there. No, not at all. It's it's taken out and piled up or push back in, you know, into the warm up area if they're not using that area or it's taken oh, completely out of the building. So they get their money's worth out of, out of their dirt. It, it gets, it gets to see the, 
Dry lights <laughs> of the strip, and then, then it can come back in the arena. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's amazing. Well, well man, thank you. So yeah, Daryl. This was perfect, man. You're welcome. We definitely want to bring you back I on. Yeah, we'll have a lot more questions. Like I said, I think you know, we'll bring you in our new Q&A that we do with when we enroll this with fans and, and even contestants. You know, We'll see yeah. what they have questions. I think it'll be great. I think it'll be a this really good, be a uh, good one. For, this one would be a good one because oh, yeah. I know they have questions. Yeah, and we, it, it, it won't even be questions that coming from Robbie and I. We'll just be relaying the message and then kind of just go from there and it'll be a great yeah. conversation. Do we get paid revis- yeah. uh, residuals for this? <laughs> yeah, you should. Yeah, yeah. might well. <laughs> Man, tens of cents. Well, yeah. well, I'll tell you what, Daryl. It sounds like you got a blessed life, man. You, you're doing what you love. Your wife's doing what she loves. Yeah. Your daughters are, you know, your whole family's in it. It's pretty cool. It ain't a bad day. I hear I'll you. tell you that. Hey, Robbie, you, you do have good balance, right? Yeah. Because I probably have to start you on a wheelbarrow with the first dirt that goes in there. <laughs> I, you know what? That's fine. I've worked one before, and uh, yeah. I figured well, I'll, I'll either get that or the push broom. <laughs> uh, we've all started somewhere haven't we buddy <laughs> yes sir yes sir man ain't that the truth i'll push a wheelbarrow for you anytime just not very far <laughs> <laughs> right well, on thanks daryl man uh be safe thank be healthy it. yeah absolutely man you got it. thank you all right, right. all right daryl bye Bye-bye. thanks for listening to the nfr extra podcast and make sure to give us a rating and review on wherever you listen to nfr extra To celebrate the 35th anniversary of the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas, LVE and PRCA present the Top 35 Most Memorable Moments. Mary Berger proved that age is just a number at the 2016 NFR. At the age of 68 years young, the 2006 Barrel Racing World Champion brought her speedy horse Mo to Las Vegas and set out to make history. For starters, she was only the third barrel racer to ever wear the coveted number one back number, which is based on regular season earnings. Here we go, this dun horse runs himself out of it. If he doesn't blow off, there he goes, he blows off the third barrel. He's running 1358. At, at 68, she became the oldest qualifier ever for the national finals rodeo. And when she captured the Barrel Racing World Championship 10 days later, she became the oldest competitor to win a world championship as well. I know it's not polite to ask a woman about her age, but Mary Berger and Mo made age a major part of the story at the 2016 NFR. One more turn, she's at the same part of the clock. That little blow off and he runs hard. Mary and Mo showed us that speed is ageless, and you know a lady does like her gold. Mary Berger was inducted into the National Cowgirl Hall of Fame in 2017. Hi, this is Derek Stevens. I'm the owner and chief executive officer of the D Las Vegas. And this is NFR Extra. All right, Robbie, we're um, we're rocking and rolling. We're uh, keep this thing going. Right? I'm not trying to rhyme here, but um, you know, we keep bringing special I didn't guests. Know you were a rapper. Yeah, no, man, that's no, definitely. Not. I'm from the West Coast, so I'm, but I'm no rapper. Um, <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> but uh, you know. <laughs> We have a special guest today, um, you know, someone that gets to really get, has gotten experience in afar from the dirt up. And I think from a moment that for those that get to attend the rodeo and are, are, are lucky enough when you're there early, right. And obviously we want you there early, but when you get to be a part of the national anthem and how special that is, yeah. you know, I, I mean, 
not to just the country, not to just, you know, the, the pride of, of America. But when, when you talk about rodeo and you talk about the national anthem, you know, we start off with prayer, right? Not too many other sports do that. So that what follows through is what's next is the national anthem. And this guest, America. yeah, absolutely. This guest right here, you know, has gotten to do this twice, uh, 2016 and 2019. She's sang the national anthem. And um, to put it even more kind of, add more special to it is that she was voted in by the fans to, to sing the national anthem. So I, I think of like what a cooler experience that you could have that fans, you know, hear you sing your, this stuff and then you get voted in. And then all of a sudden here you are in front of, you know, 18,000 people that are really pumped getting ready for an event. And this is just one more part of that event. And that's the, the national anthem. So um, let's welcome on to NFR extra Ali Brigette. Welcome Ali. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Hey, Allie. How are you? How's everything going with your shutdown up in North Washington or, or way up in the North world up there? <laughs> it's, it's going all right. You know, I'm in r- rural Washington. And so honestly, things kind of haven't changed much. I work at a law firm and so we're still considered essential. So I'm going to work every day. Uh, we do keep the door locked so we don't see as many people. But as far as day-to-day activities it's almost normal <laughs> oh that's good i know I'm, I'm in lower alabama so i'm in la so it's uh it's sort of the same you know we we haven't seen all the nobody's living on top of each other here so uh you know yeah. it's kind of we get our our daily dose of, of the things going on through the news or, or the radio or, or other folks on facebook so uh glad to have you on what an honor to uh to be chosen not only once but twice to do the Wrangler National Finals. I know uh, I did it in 2010. I was a barrel man there, and I'm not sure besides uh, the pilot dying next to me I could ever be as nervous as I was. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the most incredible but scary thing I've ever done, and I can't imagine. Um, I'm a musician also. is a more of a hobby or a, an extra job, and, and I'm, I'm honored to talk to you because I know a lot of people that uh, – Thing, but would never ever attempt the national anthem live or anywhere. So, uh, tell us a little bit about what that was like. I'm very interested to hear it. Well, yeah, when you say it's an honor, it's absolutely that. And I, it's hands down the 2016 and 2019, those are two, will forever be two of the proudest moments of my life because. My whole family, we're very patriotic and getting the privilege to perform the anthem, a song that everybody knows, a song that everyone takes pride in and can appreciate. It's, it's kind of, it can be very intimidating because you, everyone knows it. And if you mess up, everyone knows it. And so, but step in, especially at some place like the NFR where, like you said, it's, it's unique. We pray before each performance and, there's not many places that do it like that. And so stepping out onto that dirt is incredibly exhilarating and intimidating, but so, so fun, honestly. But the first time I did it in 2016, I was on the verge of tears. I was in the tunnel and I just thought, I can't do this. Oh my gosh. What if I messed it up? It's, and it, that was my uh, first, huge event. I had sang actually in front of larger crowds, but that one, the NFR meant more to me because it meant more to the people there, the song that I was singing. So getting out there though and getting it done is 
so meaningful to me and it's I, I it's such a privilege and such a great opportunity that I thank the NFR for every time because I want to do it over and over again and every time I'm done I can't wait to do it again and I'm hopefully going to come back and do it again because like I said it's definitely one of the greatest moments of my life. You know, Allie, I want to tell you, you something. You were asked about, to come back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, when I, I want to add something about that 2016. So when you're – just so you – I mean, I, you may be aware of this now that you came back and did it again. <clears throat> Those people that you're working with that are sitting there getting you out, getting ready to go out, you know, that's part of our team over at Las Vegas events. And they all thought you were adorable when, you know, when you were kind of getting very nervous okay. and teary. Our team, we're tight, so we know. And, I, you know, we all come back and we meet. And – um they were, uh, they're like, oh my goodness, she was so nervous and she was in tears and, and they were a little worried. They're like, oh my God, is she going to go out and do it? And then you go out and crush it, right? Like that's, that's the part <laughs> where that, you know, a lot of people don't understand your guys' world is where, yeah, you may be all tied up motions, but man, the minute you get out there, boom, spotlight goes on, you know, the mic's on, you delivered and you know, you put on a hell of a performance that time and in 2019 but i just wanted to share with you that we know that and it's pretty cool the, the way you kind of took it to that level well that was that too you know that she was uh, nervous about it you know that you're you're a hometown girl that got to do that that's i think that's interesting oh yeah i mean the i mean i was that day i was afraid i was going to drop the mic because i was shaking so dang bad but, and I've done, I've done that before. And every time, honestly, the 2019, uh, it was a lot easier because I, I, I kind of knew the ropes a little better. I knew the routine, uh, but still I get, I get pretty emotional when it comes to the anthem just because I am so prideful about it and I know how much it means. And so I, that's usually the trouble I have as far as the nerves go because it's just so emotionally wrapped up in it. And I just want to make everyone proud. And especially the NFR, I want to do all the fans there. Right. And make, make the, make people like you guys, your team, make you guys proud. <laughs> Let you allow me back. Cause I love it so dang much, but it's definitely a unique experience that I wouldn't trade for the world. Yeah. So I've got to, so right. how did you get, how'd you get into music? I mean, what, where did you get into singing? Cause I, you know, obviously we do some research and when uh, myself and, and um, my boss, Michael Mack, we handle that national anthem contest. So we do some research and I got to tell you, you know, I, I love promoting this thing right now because it is, it's a lot of fun. I don't know, Ali, if you go through all the, the people that submit videos and kind of, you know, play, th- play them, but man, it's uh, powerful stuff. And, oh, yeah. and, and you know, th- I give it up to you and a lot of people that get after this, but where, how did you, where'd you get into music? And, and, you know, cause you got, I know you've done quite a few big national anthems and other, some big venues. What, how'd you get started in singing? And then how did you, how'd you get into national anthem singing? How did all this get going for you? Yeah. Well, uh, just want to touch on something when you say everyone else's videos, it's always incredible to me, the level of talent that gets submitted. And it makes me so happy for the NFR as an organization because, the fact that people put themselves out there and just crush it all the time is amazing to me. But anyway, uh, I started singing kind of, I went to a little teeny tiny private Christian school in our little farm town. Uh, there were six kids in my class and the whole school kindergarten through sixth grade had, I think 40 kids and we put on Christmas programs and, uh, veterans day programs and things like that every year. And 
we sang little solos and stuff like that. So they just always had us in music that way. We had music class and so I got into singing there. And then as I got into high school, uh, it was, there was a competition here in Washington state called, uh, Washington state Nashville country star. Uh, and so I got into real performances there, uh, just performing country music, uh, doing charity events, stuff like that, county fairs, whatnot. Uh, and then in high school, all I, I played basketball and softball and for football nice. games and stuff like that. They would just be like, well, Ollie can sing. Why don't you do the anthem? And I'll tell you, my first anthem was very rough. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing for the first couple of years. And it's kind of one of those songs where it's like, it's all the highs and all the lows. There's big risks in it. So I basically got just all my initial performances under my belt, uh, at high school football and basketball games and stuff like that. And then eventually uh, we have a small local rodeo in our county called the OMAC Stampede and Suicide Race. And that was the first rodeo I started doing anthems at. Um, And that was just audition-based and whatnot. And so I've done it there about almost every year. The last few years when I got into college and stuff, I was kind of uh, if I was in town, I would absolutely do it. But, and then one day I just decided, you know, I'm going to email the Seattle Mariners and see what I have to do to sing the anthem there. And so I did. And, uh, they were like, yeah, come on, send us a video. They liked it. They're like, okay, how about this date? We'll see you there. So I was like, okay. So I've sang it every year there since 2015. Um, cool. and yeah. And so, then I've always loved watching the NFR and just my senior year of college, I was like, how do I get to sing the anthem at the NFR? So I started Googling and found the, the competition and entered and thought, okay, this is uh, kind of going out on a limb here, but we'll just give it a shot. And I shared on social media like crazy and I'm sure most people were annoyed with me and, but then I got the call from Vegas, and I was like, okay, here we go. This is a whole new level for me. So pretty pretty excited. Man. Well, you know, I so I remember going through the, the kind of as things get narrowed down, the um, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool that you can go through these and listen to all them. But I remember going through yours like, man, she's good. And, and we'll go through all of them. Like there's kind of all these steps, just to, and I know you've read the rules, but – you know, it goes basically goes through the voting process first. Like we don't, we don't do anything. We just kind of let the votes go. And, and then yeah. once we get those votes and then it goes to a panel mm-hmm. and then that panel comes back to us and gives us that. And, uh, the, what really gets really rough is the, um, it's kind of this, this, this where you want to, Oh man, I, I, I will go, Oh, we like that person, man. That person's good. That person's definitely making it right. And then comes back from mm-hmm. the panel. And it's like, well, man, okay. Now they cut it down to this, this oh, number. Man. And yeah. And it's, it's, it, it's tough because you realize that, you know, there's a certain thing that I think sometimes we're looking for, for at the Anthem and somehow, you know, I, I would say for you, your talent just fits exactly the rodeo side of what they're always looking for. But so it's cool that the votes get you in there and then the panel definitely likes you. And it just, it's obviously getting there twice, but yeah, I, for you to get there and knowing how many, I mean, we have hundreds of people submit to this thing. So, 
You know, it's not like just oh, yeah. you're, you're going up against five people. You're going up against a lot of talent. There's like operas. Yeah, like I can't opera imagine. Yeah. It, it, well, it's 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 kind of like our own little mini, super small, um, you know, kind of. Uh, whatever those competitions they have where there be American Idol or, you know, America's got talent, oh, whatever, yeah. whatever it is, you know, it's like, but yeah, you know, it's that. So to get there, uh, I think it's cool. Could you tell me this? We've, cause we've had like Andy Griggs who sang the national anthem, a few people. Right. And one of the questions is how hard is it to sing the national anthem? Can you kind of, kind of expand on this singing the national anthem composed a difference to like singing an actual song or, something that's a little different. Cause he said yeah. it's challenging. Can you touch on that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't get real technical because I've actually never really, I've never had any kind of professional vocal training. So I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I just kind of wing it, but, uh, the anthem, well, one, one of the most important things that to keep in mind, I, I sing the anthem strictly traditional style because, that's the way it's Good. written, and that's the way I love it. I don't want to play with it because I want to sing the version that everyone knows and is proud of. And so a lot of people add their own twist to it and whatnot, which is great. It, they exhibit incredible talent that way. But I, I keep it classic. And when, like, like I said, uh, the anthem has a lot of highs and a lot of lows. So you're using your full range and you kind of, each singer kind of just has to find their sweet spot. You want to make sure you start on the right note because once you start, there's no turning back. Um, and it took me a while to find that sweet spot of not starting too high, uh, not starting too low so that the performance is underwhelming. But you kind of go through go through the ringer on it. And that that's a tough part because sometimes I've started too low and, my voice only goes so low and I'll end up on a word like gleaming and I, my voice almost cuts out because I can't get as low as where I started. And so then it's like, shoot, uh, I got a backtrack here, but it, it's a very challenging song to sing uh, as just vocally. Uh, it stretches your skills and puts you, pushes your limits uh, both high and low. But not only that, if you mess up, everybody knows it. Yeah, they do. So, yeah. And <laughs> for know, me that's, too, that's, another, another thing is because I know it, everyone knows it uh, so well, oftentimes I'll, it comes so natural to me that I'll almost forget. I'll have, I'll, I've sat down before and been like, I didn't, I'll ask my mom or dad, I'm like, did I miss any words? Like it comes, it just kind of flows. You don't even really think about it almost. Because you know, at least for me, if funny. I think about it, I'll get emotional. Absolutely. I've got some really good friends in the music industry. Uh, first of all, Heath Wright, who sang it probably more than anybody with Ricochet, one of the greatest versions that I've ever heard. Um, and he says that, too. He's like, la- the last time he did, he said, I started so low, and, and I couldn't get picked back up. Um, you know, and it yeah. was like, once you do that, you can't change the pitch of it, obviously. You know, or right. the, what key or where. And another funny story, and you'll appreciate this, and that's why I won't. Um, a friend of mine, Charlie Starr, is one of the band Blackberry Smoke, and they called me about him singing the national anthem at Atlanta a couple uh, last year. And so many professional singers and artists who we all know who are amazing are scared to death to sing that song. And he says, I appreciate it. It'd be the biggest honor in the world, but hell no. 
There is no way <laughs> that I'm going to sing the national anthem. So I have such an admiration for you um, of, of brave enough to do that in front of 18,000 people. I mean, that's got to be incredible. Plus, Nevada, what a lot of people don't realize, because you, you, I mean, you've been to that rodeo for 25 years. The monitor in that arena is horrible. The in, inside oh, that arena. Oh, my God. It, Mm-hmm. I know, and, and I've been there. Like, for instance, and and this is so funny, the when you like when they do a dance thing or whatever, then when I roll the barrel out there and they want me to dance, all I hear is blah, 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 blah. you don't get mm-hmm. any of yourself back, do you? You know, Abby? no. Tell us a little bit about that. That's absolutely. That's a whole other level of challenge. Uh, so the first 2016 when I first sang. I had no experience with earpieces, and so I, they asked me if I wanted them, and I was nervous about it, so I said, you know, I don't think now's the time to give that a twirl, um, and during soundcheck, the echo was so bad, and the problem with the echo when you're singing, especially a song like the anthem that's kind of a little slower rolling, you start, and you start singing the words, but then eventually the echo starts coming back to you and you find it's a huge challenge to not listen to the echo over your own voice. So you're fighting, making that a fight the whole time, going back and forth between listening to the echo, listening to your own voice and your timing ends up totally inconsistent. And it's just, it's terrible. But 2016, I declined the earpieces and I just said, Hey, is the echo going to be this bad on the night of the performance? And, uh, they're like, well, it won't be as bad because it'll be full of people. And so I was like, okay. And I had the same experience at Safeco Field in Seattle where the echo there is absolutely terrible. I mean, you just got metal everywhere. Uh, and so then the night of the performance, I started and the echo was better, but it was still there. And I, 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 I've overcome it before and I, I should have overcome it then, but I panicked a little bit. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, it's here. And so then I got real nervous about keeping my timing right. Cause I wanted to do the anthem well and make everybody proud. But then here in 2019, I used the earpieces and it was light years better. <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm never not using these anywhere ever again. They're so helpful. Yeah, you know, I, I've that- so I've worked in the building. I've worked at Thomas Maxner for a good fifteen years, and you know, working in the production side, I'd worked with a lot of national anthems for all kinds of stuff there. And yeah, you're right; it's it's challenging as all heck. I mean, it's and I've seen everybody sing there. I'm talking big time folks to folks that you know we literally would pull out of the stands, which I could tell you stories for days about that. Let's take a little break. We'll be back in two minutes. Every December during the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, thousands of rodeo fans call Las Vegas home. Families and friends gather to strengthen bonds and celebrate our Western heritage. But we'll do it only when it's safe for you, our fans and contestants, because that's all that matters. We know you can't travel right now or be around others, but when it's time, we'll be ready. This is the NFR. This is Vegas. Hi, I'm Speed Williams, eight-time world champion team roper, and we're listening to the NFR Extra. Let's talk about your 2019 performance because... You got one under the belt in 16. You know, I don't know where you were emotionally to think that you'd get back and do it, but what was going through your mind? How were you getting prepared? What was, you know, what, what was all the feels going on uh, getting ready for that, the, this past one that we just did? I mean, it was a lot, like, 
2016, it was a lot different. I was a senior in college. Uh, I had finals that my semester was ending. I had finals the week after the anthem. So I was just kind of a more of a whirlwind. I went there with my parents and my older brother. Uh, we were there the day before the performance, the day of, and then left the next day because it was just kind of chaotic. But this time I was like, no, we're going to enjoy this experience. Uh, and so we, my whole family went and my godmother and my boyfriend and we made it just as quality as possible, spent a week. Um, I would have loved to have spent the whole 10 days, but uh, <laughs> I was knowing, knowing the routine of how, from the start, from the day of sound check to getting there to uh, the whole, the flag girls, the everything, knowing all that whole process and getting that kind of like, okay, now, now I'm up. Uh, that was important to kind of chilling out on the nerve side of things. Um, as far as preparing, I mean, with anthems, I, they, I don't really do any practicing. I mean, like when it comes down to the day, I'm like, okay. Like at the time of 2019, I haven't sang an anthem in six months, uh, not publicly at least. I mean, I'd sing it to myself a couple times here and there, but I hadn't sang really at any time. I was studying for the law school admissions test, and so I wasn't having a lot of time. And then I was like, oh, okay, so we're leaving to the NFRs next week, too. Like, I should probably get, get it together. But it's... Being in Vegas is a whole experience, so the anthem kind of sneaks up on you uh, during that time, and then it was like, oh, okay, so it's performance day, like, ready or not, here we go, and you just kind of, I, I just go out and belt it and do the best I can, because I can't overthink it, I want to enjoy it, I don't want to overanalyze and intimidate it and ruin it for myself or anyone else, and so I just really, this time, this go-around, tried to stay way more calm and just revel in the whole experience and environment because it's such an amazing environment especially being down on that dirt is so cool to me <laughs> and so yeah i just tried to really like soak it all in this time yeah what so how do you how do you like the because obviously there's that leads up to you know the competition part how how do you like that experience where you've seen some other rodeos in washington but the, the big daddy Super Bowl yeah. of them all. What is it like experiencing the actual NFR? Yeah. And the whole, that's what I, people who don't know aren't familiar with rodeo and are like, okay, like explain, explain what this is. That's how I'm scared. I'm like, it's, it's like the Super Bowl of rodeo. It's a really big deal to people like me who love it. And it's like the best time of the year. Uh, and the whole, competition experience is really I think it's really fun it can be very nerve-wracking uh usually when like the first round ends or the second round ends I'm obsessively stalking my phone just like refresh 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 did I make it to the next round did I make it to the next round and I'm constantly I'm calling into radio shows I'm constantly hassling my friends I'm blasting it on all social media just like please 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 uh because it is important to me, and I love I, the competition is pretty exhilarating. It's uh, also kind of nerve wracking, but 
I think it's a really great idea. It's a really great opportunity for um, a, a whole variety of people to get out there and do make everyone proud and show their performance. And that's my whole thing is I'm like, I just, I love the experience. I love what the NFR stands for. I love the rituals of it. So entering that competition to me is just, a really awesome, awesome opportunity that I'm so grateful for. And I'm so grateful that you guys open it up to everybody. And I love that kids are in it. Um, yeah, you got a whole wide array of people that participate and it's awesome. So Robbie, you were, you brought this up earlier. You read, um, you read in our NFR rewind magazine that we put out and it's our, it's our wrap up yes. mag, uh, after the NFR, once it's done and kind of touches on all the cool things happening. Uh, you read about Shania Twain, right? And um, Allie. So, Allie, oh, yeah. what, what is this story about? Can you can you uh, expand on the Shania Twain story and where this all fits in with NFR, you singing the national anthem and kind of hanging out with some of our big wigs up in the suite? How did the, what, What's that story all about? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, total 180. Well, 2016, I just sat in the stands and it was awesome and I was in heaven and thought this is the greatest day of my life, but 2019 you guys had like next level treatment for us competition winners and i was totally out of my league but it was awesome and i was just like oh my gosh this is amazing because yeah you guys set up that suite and everything and amber held uh she was so awesome and so sweet to me and my whole family and i'm so grateful for her but, yeah, after the performance, uh, I didn't know that we were going to a suite of any kind or anything like that. Um, I've actually, both in 2016 and 2019, I've connected with the other competition winners and kind of created little com- camaraderies and friendships with them. And so uh, the Jackie, the other competition winner, I had met up with her. We made it a point to meet up in Vegas and uh, get to know each other a little bit. So I talked to her and she told me, yeah, they gave me a jacket to wear and we like sat in the suite and yeah, Charlie Daniels is there and it was awesome. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so cool. And I had no idea that that was in store for me a little bit. Uh, Cause I just thought, Oh, it must've been like a, a weird whim of a night. And then next thing I know, after the anthem, they're bringing us off to a suite and I was like, Oh, this is great. And then, I'm standing there with Pat Christensen taking a picture and Shania Twain walked right in front of me and I was like, I about passed out. Because <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I like totally broke, about snapped my neck. I spun around so fast. I was like, and I think I turned to Amber and I was like, is that Shania Twain? And she's like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you about that. And I was just like, oh my <laughs> gosh. Like, I thought I was going to pass out and I sat down and I couldn't, my boyfriend was in the suite with me and I couldn't even talk. I was just like, oh, that, 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 that's awesome. I, yeah, I've idolized, Shania is the hands down what got me into singing. Um, my mom and dad were, we played country music all throughout my childhood, the good old stuff and Shania was one of the big features, and so I knew every single one of her songs. I dressed up as her for Halloween. I uh, just idolized her, and she I, because of her, I had her posters in my room. I was like, I want to be Shania Twain when I grow up. And uh, so from the time I was about 
four years old, I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is the woman that pretty much is probably, that's why I'm here. This is what got me into singing really, or made me want to do it. Uh, but yeah. And so, uh, I was, I was like, I don't want to bother her. She was with her husband and, uh, all that stuff. But I was like, gosh, I have that same Charlie horse hat. <laughs> Maybe we can talk about that. <laughs> What do I even talk to her about? Because I'm just, I'm just a little county fair singer, and she's Shania Twain. And, yeah, from, I had me and my mom had about sold our souls to get front row tickets to her last couple tours. And I was just like, no way. Like, she is in my presence right now. Like, I'm sharing a room with her. But yeah, then finally her husband walked by, and I just was walking down the aisle, and I just said, like, Fred. I was like, I know you have no idea who I am, and it's probably weird. I know who you are, but it's like, I love your wife so much. If she just has a minute, I would love to talk to her. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I actually got several opportunities throughout the night to talk to her. We, uh, watched, we were watching the rodeo, which I was, like, so excited that she was so into the rodeo and so, like, cheering for each event and was just dedicated. I was like, yes, it's, like, I love when people are actually, like, into the rodeo, but... Yeah, and she was, but yeah, I finally got to talk to her, and I think I, basically I just over and over repeated, I love you, you're my idol, I love you, I love you, I love you. Oh, <laughs> I was cool. Well, what about if in, yeah. yeah, what about if in the Uber she wasn't going, God, I hope I get to meet Allie Brigitte tonight. I am so, I hope she'll just talk to me. She's doing the national anthem. So. <laughs> Hey, Allie, I want to let me add this to you. This is kind of and this is a Robbie story, right? You brought up Charlie Daniels. Well, you should have saw Charlie when uh, he we had him in studio back last October when, yeah, Mr. Daniels came on the podcast. I don't think I've like Robbie couldn't sit still. He was pacing the room. We're talking to Charlie oh Daniels, like oh, it's so. It, hey, Not it's me. All. I was all cool. <laughs> yeah, it, was he, yeah, it's. Going, <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Dude, I was, I was just as bad. I was fangirling like you were, just like <laughs> oh yeah, when when J.W. Harris is on. So, but uh, I'm I'm so glad you got to meet somebody like that, and 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 oh, doing yeah. the same thing, and you know and. And now, do you have a band or anything? I mean, now, or do you play in a band, or do you? Uh, no, I, I'm pretty much, I just sort of fly solo. Um, usually, I found it, uh, being being in a small area, there's not a lot of venues to play here. So that's why I pretty much am limited to the county fairs and things like that. Uh, some, some local, like, charity events and festivals and stuff like that. And so, mostly... Mostly, I'm just by myself. Uh, there, there's bands that I've sang in before. They're not my band, or I'm not really involved in them. But I'll just jump up there and sing. Usually, it's kind of, kind of just small scale stuff. But I, I love it that way. I think it's so much fun. Um, I love just entertaining and uh, getting the chance to kind of, you know, just have a little fun with it and keep it that way and. Things like the NFR are so awesome to me because it's just an opportunity to enjoy performing. And to me, singing is like therapy. And so I I, I just keep it kind of low-key and small-scale. And I, NFR is one of my biggest events, so I'm into it. Yeah. What about, well, that's you know, cool. that's, that's, you're talented, that's right? So 
you, I don't know. I'm just going to throw this out at you because I've seen the votes and I understand how that thing goes. And I think it all amplifies the, the, the bigger you go up. You should give like, I don't know, American Idol, maybe a, a little player or he's <laughs> got talent just to see where you're at. I mean, you've already yeah. gotten on the stage, maybe. I, you know? Yeah. I, I, I thought about that. Usually it's just been like a timing issue. Uh, it's always just been like, Oh, well I'm in college or I'm going back to college I'm I'm starting law school next month. And so things like that. I'm like, well, when the timing's right, I, I may just do it. Just, it's always been something that is on my bucket list. Kind of like, Hey, worst case scenario, say I did it. And so, uh, that, it, that is on my radar a little bit. Eventually I'll, I'll, I'll get it together. Right. Man. Well, are you, um, are you, are you taking music law? Is that what you're, I mean, is that what you're going to do or, or <laughs> what kind? Um, I mean, kind being of, that good of a singer. Yeah, I I plan to keep it pretty general. I, I work at a small local firm here. We uh, practice pretty much everything, ag law, real estate, family, general, do all across the board. So nothing nothing yeah. too specific, especially because I, I, I would prefer to live in a smaller town. So uh, kind of got to serve everybody in that capacity. I got you. Man. Good. Well, this was, good. This was great, Allie. I, yeah, I... I you know, we we're, we're we're bringing on more, we're actually bringing on the Powell brothers here uh, later, and um, we're going down this route, kind of getting everyone's. And probably if we get a chance, maybe even because you brought up Jackie, she was another winner as well. Um, you know, bringing on uh, national anthem singers because your guys' perspective is pretty cool from the way you see this, where you get to be during the NFR, um, opposed to the, the contestants and the fans sitting in the stands. So. I got to tell you, thank you for coming on the show. You were, um, this was great. This is, this is a fun little interview here, kind of learning about that perspective. And really from the, what I like hearing from, because we've handled this for so long, is the contest side and, and hearing kind of your insight. That uh, makes us feel good, like that that thing works and it's fair and it's it just, you know, and you're, you're, you're a product of that. So I definitely thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much and thank you for putting putting this all on and giving us all that opportunity and I can't wait to participate again. Right on. You bet. We can't uh, wait to hear you again. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming <laughs> on uh, NFR extra and you know, good luck in your ventures. Stay healthy, stay as quarantined as you need to be, which it sounds like, you know, you're, you're not because <laughs> you got to work and we get it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you. You guys have a great day. You too, Allie. Yes, ma'am. You too. That's it for episode 48. I want to give a thousand thanks to Daryl Mosier and Allie Brigett for joining us on NFR Extra. And stay tuned for episode 49 with Steve Stallworth, general manager of the South Point Arena and Equestrian Center. For more information regarding the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, visit NFRExperience.com and follow Las Vegas NFR on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year. Gotta make it out to Vegas Where the big boys roam With the rovers and the racers And the bulls and the browns And the ladies in the skin-tight ringers And the cowboy hats